This episode is brought to you by MSW Nutrition and Lounge, a partner in the Howdy Health Network. For decades, I've struggled with various gut and autoimmune issues, which have forced me to alter my life and career. Within the last year, though, after undergoing numerous blood tests, I've discovered that a majority of my health problems, they've been linked to vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Because I am now able to see what I was deficient in, I can also supplement against those deficiencies with the proper daily vitamins and minerals, as well as receive weekly IVs that are specific to my needs. This has changed the game for me. Today, not only do I feel like a completely new person, my ability to focus in life and business has increased, my athletic performance is better now than when I was a collegiate athlete, and most importantly, the relationship I have with myself, as well as the people I care about most, they are all thriving, and I'd love for you to feel the same way. So no matter where you are at in your health journey, whether it is scheduling your blood work or supplementing for your health needs, the beautiful part is the community at MSW and How Do Health, they will listen to you and help you figure out the best path for you. So go to howdoyouhealth.com and use code THRIVE15 for 15% off all products and services. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's interview is with one of my good friends, Stefan Georgievich, aka Steph Ball. One of the reasons I love Steph is because he is a man of many ideas who actually acts on them and brings them to life. In this case, Steph brought me the idea to do a reverse interview, aka he would be the host and I would be the guest. And I have to say, for it being his first time as a host, he did an amazing job. So if you'd like to hear Steph ask me a bunch of questions I've never been asked in terms of my life, business, and marriage, please tune in and give it up for today's host, Stefan Georgievich. What's up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here, back with another Thrive on Life podcast episode. And today, I'm extremely excited because I am introducing... Steph Curry <laughs> to the podcast. Ballin. Draining threes. <laughs> JK, Steph Ball. <laughs> Steph Ballin. Steph Georgievich. That's how you say, say your last name, right? Georgievich, yes. You're okay, correct. Sweet. Okay, didn't mess that up. Stefan is one of my really good friends here in Austin, Texas, and we're going to do a new idea here today. And one of the reasons I love living in the city is because there's so many badass people like him who are willing to just try new ideas and have fun with this game that we like to call entrepreneurship and ultimately life. So today what we're gonna do is something called a reverse interview where he is going to be the host of this podcast. I've done this before with my wife, Erin. I haven't done it with anybody else. So this is kind of cool to do right now. I'm really excited and I wouldn't wanna do it with anybody else because Steph is one of those guys that always has a bunch of questions. He's a polymath and just likes to nerd out on a lot of different ways, just like I do. So let me start with this. I have no idea what he's about to ask me and just hoping that some of the questions can be valuable and funny and yeah, enjoy the next, I'd say hour plus of me getting grilled. Yes. So without further ado, let's pass the torch over to Steph Ball. Steph Ball. Thank you very much, <laughs> CJ. So I'm super excited to do this because I've never done something like this before. And I like asking really unorthodox questions. And I have 
probably like 20 questions to ask him. So let's just jump right into it, shall we? <laughs> Where do I want to start? So I divided these questions up into four sections, lifestyle, business, fitness, and then rapid fire questions. So where would you like to start? That's my first question, actually. If we start in one area, can we like stop halfway through and jump to something sure. else? Or do we have to go? Did you have in mind of going in any which way? Any way we want to go? Let's do rapid fire. Cool. All right. First rapid fire question. What is something you didn't realize until you were 30? How much sleep impacted my health? Okay. I think until honestly this past year, until I was 30, did I start realizing that one of the best things that I could start doing for my health was getting better sleep. Okay. And I also noticed that you do a lot of sleep tracking and just tracking in general. You have all kinds of wearables. Last time we spoke, you had like four or five different wearables that you were tracking. What are those wearables? Do you have them all on right now? So right now I have an Aura Ring on. I also have a Whoop and I have something called Levels, which is a glucose monitor on my arm. So okay. since we are recording here, if you're watching this, you got the Aura Ring. You got the whoop, and then you got the levels glucose monitor on the back of my arm. But you have other wearables too. You have a heart rate tracker when you're running. Okay, so okay. when I run, I have a Polar H10, okay, uh, which tracks my heart rate, and then I will use Strava to track the actual mileage of my run. And I believe that's all that I'm using right now. Do you track your sleep like in your bed, the eight sleep or any, do you have like a Tempur-Pedic or anything special about your bed? No, I have a chili pad. Um, okay. I wish I had the money to upgrade to like something like eight. They're so sleep. expensive. Yeah. Chili pad was like run me like $900 um, after I got the chili blanket as well. Okay. So, but now actually my, my, my chili pad is in repair. Um, and I guess I just use it too hard, <laughs> but it's, it's getting repaired right now. And I've actually noticed like a decline in my sleep. I'm not surprised because the reason I got a chili pad was I wanted to increase my sleep. I knew it would do that um, because I have temperature issues. I'm too hot at night. Okay. So it helped tremendously. And if you are a couple out there, if your significant other likes it hot and you like it cold or vice versa, I highly recommend looking in the chili pad and the other alternatives because like we have a king bed. I got a half king. So like my side of the bed's cool. She can use blankets on her side of the bed. We both sleep really well. Happy marriage. I actually <laughs> want to jump into sleeping a little bit more because I've been struggling with sleep. What type of mattress do you use? And are you a side sleeper, a back sleeper, a stomach sleeper? That's great questions. I, we have a Tempur-Pedic it was only like 250 bucks wow. off of Wayfair. Okay. Delivered to our front front door. I like a firmer bed. So I think, and so does Aaron. We're both athletes. So I think talking to a lot of other athletes, they like it a little bit more firm as well. It's just more conducive to muscle recovery, I think. Okay. You're also used to being like super tight. So imagine like being on a really soft thing versus like, being on something that has a little bit more strength to it. So like when you lay down, my back just feels better rather than sinking in and mm -hmm. kind of like creating deficiencies. So we were looking online and we got a deal. It was like 250 or 300 bucks delivered to our door. That might not work for everybody, but for someone like me, I mean, I grew up in shitty beds. I went to college, didn't really care what I slept on. And that kind of perpetuated why I had poor sleep. But in today's day and age, for me, I just know that it's more about Temperature of the bed and then temperature of the room and then white noise that helps me white noise. sleep. Okay. That's what works for me and works for Aaron. It's different for everybody. 
but you don't have to spend, the reason I'm saying is you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to get a, a really nice bed. Like we got a king size bed, works great. And then side sleeper, for the most part, back sleeper when I'm like really tired. So when I'm really exhausted, I try to stay on my back a little bit more. What I've noticed is that my heart rate will reduce greater if I lay on my back than if I'm on my side. I haven't researched why. I just noticed that based on my aura ring and my whoop, my heart rate and my recovery will be better if I can stay on my back through the night. Wow. Well, sleeping on your back is the optimal position actually. Yeah. So, but it's tough for, for people who toss and turn in the night, like myself, like just like a rotisserie chicken. Yeah. That's kind of <laughs> how I'm going back and forth throughout the and night. Do you, do you notice that when you're sleeping? Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Oh, last thing. I also have a, it's not an actual chili pillow. I just got a cold pillow off Amazon. So I looked up pillows that stay cold. So when your head hits it, it doesn't, your, your body temperature doesn't heat the pillow up. Is it one of those like feather ones or is it like a Tempur-Pedic pillow as well? Like a- it's a feathery one, okay. but it feels like a Tempur-Pedic. I don't know how to describe it. That's also more firm. I realized like, I thought I liked like real soft pillows, but what I realized is I want a f- firmer, thinner pillow where my neck just feels in line with my body. Right. And again, it's different for everybody, but like I use one pillow now. I used to use like six versus one pillow, keep the bed cool, a lot more effective. I just purchased a pillow wise. It's from my chiropractor. He actually measured the circumference of my neck and then he picked a pillow that would fit my neck perfectly when I'm sleeping and it's helped a lot. And then I also just purchased a body pillow. I love body pillows because I need to like hold on to something and it well, feels really good. <laughs> yeah, so. Body pillows. Yeah. It, I used to have one before I had a king bed. Again, for me, I think these days I've kind of mastered my sleep. So I'm like, I'm out within five minutes. Yeah. Like you can ask my wife, like I'm out cold pretty quickly. It used to not be that way, but now my issue is waking up in the middle of the night and then I can't get back to sleep. So I try to do whatever it takes to like last as long asleep as possible. Interesting. Cool. That's a lot of sleep stuff. Let's jump into another topic. Yeah. We're supposed to be doing rapid fire, yeah, but you know how that it was goes. Not rapid fire. <laughs> what are you likely to get canceled for? Oof. What am I likely to get canceled for? Probably my belief in either the obesity epidemic or education. Okay. So I think school is the dumbest shit ever, to be honest. Like, think about this logically. We put kids who are supposed to be running around outside, learning, tasting, touching, rambunctious, energetic beings, and then we strap them to a desk for eight hours a day. And then we tell them that there's something wrong with them because they can't sit at the desk every day. They stare at a whiteboard. That's not learning. Like that's not how you learn. It's hard enough for adults to sit at a desk and work at a job all day. Yet we're trying to do that to kids. Like it just, it's so ass backwards. I'm just like, what the hell is going on? The solution to that is like, you like Naval, just like I do. Entrepreneurship is sprint, recover, sprint, recover, sprint, recover. It's not a marathon. Like, okay, the life of an entrepreneur is a marathon. Like it's like long distance, but you're not going to build successful business by trying to work 10 hours straight. Like you sprint and then you recover, go on a walk, think through new ideas, meet new people, things like that. It's the same for kids. It's like, what is optimal for human beings in the morning? What is it optimal for them to be doing? Not sitting down, looking at it. Like I literally think back to, I was in high school in my classroom at seven twenty in the morning. 
Is it optimal for 14, 15, 16-year-old, 17-year-old testosterone-jacked kid that's growing into a man to be sitting at a desk at 720 listening to someone he doesn't respect? No. No. Like, that is not optimal for anyone, right? I feel like I lost so much sleep as a kid because I would just be up all, you know, late as hell and then wake up early. Because that's what was optimal for you. We're not doing it based... I would sleep in class. I think about all the hours I spent in class because... I would get in trouble if I acted out. So what did I do? The exact opposite. You know what? I just don't care. So <laughs> I'm just going to do whatever, like, right. Yeah. And how much, if they would have given me something to attach my energy to, whatever it was, go outside, go plant gardens, go hunt in woods, whatever, how much more productive of a person I would be to this world, right? But nope, let's put everybody <laughs> in a box and let's literally make them believe that they have issues mentally, physically, spiritually, when the reality is, they just built the wrong system. Yeah. Um, so that one I could get canceled over because like how many parents have kids? Like literally what I would get canceled for is by being like, hello, parents, like stop sending your kids to schools and saying you care about your kids' health physically, mentally, spiritually, but then what are they feeding those kids at your school lunch? What are those teachers feeding your kids? Like the smartest people in the world aren't becoming teachers. So who is teaching your kids? Right. Think about that. Think about that, guys. I want to dive into that a little bit more, but let's get back to the rapid fire questions. I'm not sure if they're going to be rapid fire answers, but the questions will be rapid fire. <laughs> I mean, I could go faster. Yeah. What are you bad at that most people think you're good at? And I'll preface this question by asking, you know, people, I feel like you're a very highly functional person. Like you're just good at figuring things out, you know, very individualistic in some ways. You, you seem to just get it. And I feel like a lot of people look at you and they go, I just, I can't do all of those things. So like, what is something that you're actually really bad at that people think you're good at? The reason I can do so many things is because I don't care that I'm not good at so many things. So I get good at them because I don't have an ego of willingness to try them and then be like, like right now we're recording this podcast. I just had a studio that was dialed. It had my branding on it. It was painted. It cost me probably $2,000 to create. Landlord sells the place. I have to start back at square run in this like empty room that we had. You know how many people would be like, you know what? I'm just going to hold off on recording for a little bit until it looks perfect. Fuck that. That's why I come off as if I know things. But really at the end of the day, I don't know jack shit. Everything that I've learned is through myself, like what you said, but it's also, I don't have an ego to go meet other people like yourself and just learn from you and act stupid and ask stupid questions as they would say. So to answer in a succinct way, it's just like the thing that I am not good at that looks like I'm good at is literally the question that you kind of just answered. It's just like, I'm not great at everything. I just, when I pick things up, if it's something that I want to be good at, I would just reduce my ego and say, who is the best people and the best books and the best courses on this one thing? And I'm willing to invest a little time up front and just attack it rather than most people, I think so much time in their head. What do I look like? How do I sound? They're just worrying about things that I don't really worry about. And that's a whole other rabbit hole. We can go okay. to why I'm like that. But I saw Naval tweeted about, you know, there's no such thing as adults. We're learning all learning as we go. So that's a good answer. So you're a very competitive person. I mean, you're doing high rocks, running, like you just, you do all these competitive events. What is something that you're willing to not be competitive in? This sounds contradictory. Money. I'm an entrepreneur. The purpose of business is to make money. Right. Right. I've never given a shit about how much money somebody else has. Okay. 
it's so weird. Yeah. I don't know. Like I've been trying harder to care more about money and it's so hard. I know I need to because money is what's going to help me make the biggest impact. It's a means to an end. Yeah. Yeah. It's a means to like me investing in other companies that can change the world. Right. It's investing in other people. And I try so hard to care. I think what's going to happen is I will care a lot more once I have a child. Something innate in me will be like, I have to provide, yeah. I have to 10x, 100x to live the life that I want and then ultimately give them the life that I foresee us wanting to have. It becomes more of a need at that point. So, yeah, I'm hyper competitive at everything except for comparing bank accounts. Right. So let's talk about money a little bit. How are you planning to monetize this podcast if you are planning to monetize it or if you already are? What are your what are your goals there? In a quick way, the way that someone monetizes a podcast, the way that I believe someone should monetize a podcast is by being valuable to the audience that you are growing. So the way that I want to be valuable is I don't necessarily say, hey, I'm going to charge you for this podcast per se right off the get-go because like Peter Atia, you pay for his podcast, right? Monthly, right? I'm not there yet. So in the beginning, what I have to do is say, hey, look, you have a focus aid in front of you right now. You're drinking it. Products that I believe in, the way that I kind of start off is, hey, I have this product that I've used for say a year. I believe in it. Can I promote you? Mm -hmm. If I promote you and I make some sales, will you give me commission? So that's an easy way where everyone's happy. Whoever's listening. Yeah, so affiliate marketing. The next way is email subscribers. People don't know this, but like every email subscriber you have, like email is almost a dollar per email that you collect. So if one day you have a million emails that you've collected that are legitimate, your potential to make a million dollars per year off that email list is exponentially greater each email that you get. So my goal is ultimately have a million emails that people actually have willingly given to me. So on the podcast, like 20 minutes into this podcast, I can say, hey, if I'm if I've ever been valuable to you, like sign up to my daily newsletter. Well, here's your plug right now. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, right. but on this podcast, like 20 minutes in, it'll kick into that. So the second way is not necessarily through the podcast, but if they get on my email list and then I can sell them products, like I just released a PDF for 10 bucks, right? So you're making residual income from other products and services that you have, but the top of the funnel was the podcast. The third way is just straight up sponsorships. Okay. So it's just like the company that really likes your audience is paying you directly. Hey, I'll pay you 500, 1,000, whatever you negotiate to sponsor in front of that podcast in the middle at the end, plug our product. I'm very hesitant on that one just because I could probably pitch companies now, but I'm more about providing value to the audience and just like keeping my brand very on point. So the only ad I'm running right now is for how do you health and MSW, which I take their products every day. So at the beginning of this episode, you'll hear a, a little thing and I highly recommend anybody go get blood work through them, learn what you're deficient in, get a consultation with nurse Doza and then supplement across the board because like I feel better than I've ever felt. And that's the protocols that I've been doing and I've had extreme health issues yeah. my whole life. So cool. How is Thrive generating revenue now? Ooh, that's a great question. So a lot of people ask me, what do I do? So it's one of those things I always like to answer, why do I do things? And then narrow it down from there. Like why I do anything is I like to help mission-based people, brands and businesses thrive. So it's more tailored towards like 
okay, if you're a person and you want to help change the world, how are you making money and how do I make you more money? And it stems from money is based on trust. A customer gives somebody or something their dollar because they trust that that thing is going to give them something that they don't have yet. So my goal is always help that person to extend their reach on that customer. With that being said, now that you know why I do things and like how I kind of from a high level help, different projects that I love to work on is like, I'll bring up MSW and How Do Health again, is like helping their create more media siloed into their market so that they can extend outside of Austin. So if they extend out outside of Austin, one way that Thrive makes money is off of commission. So like, let's say I go, hey, Steph, order my Thrive package with the code Thrive15, right? I'll get commission on that. Okay. So that's one way. I do that with multiple companies though. So like I'll get commission on online sales. Second way is just straight up consulting and retainers. So like I'll do a set amount of work every single week and then get paid. Third way is basically a hybrid model. I'm trying to describe it because a lot of people that like maybe in the corporate world don't understand the layers of everything. But a great way to kind of look at it is, okay, I'm hosting an event, Athletic Brewing, right? So I'll get paid to do different events to host them. Okay. Now, when I'm at these different events, those people then I get access to whoever shows up. So they're now going to know about me. Those people are going to buy into my email newsletters, the the podcast, pieces of content that I create, the PDFs. They'll see that I fly drones. So what ends up happening is I'll get paid to do events. And then at these events, I make sure that I introduce myself to everybody and like they feel my vibe and I tell my story and things like that. And I ask how I can help them. And I show them the ways that I like to help. So a good instance is I'm going to be flying a drone this Sunday at, at something called a hip camp. And Noah and Aaron are going to be my models. I'm going to fly the drone and then in exchange for whatever we negotiate. And then I'm going to use that content to then expand my market even more so. So then people know that I do that, right? So then ultimately the way that you can make money is every little touch point of your life. So if I'm traveling to Colorado, right, for a high rocks, I can then get paid to do a drone video for one of the brands that I'm out there training for the high rocks, or I can get paid to drive traffic to the high rocks, or I can get paid to host the event or be on the mic at that event. So it's literally, it's tough to describe, but everything that I try and do, the way that Thrive operates is like, how do I monetize every touch point of my life? And literally, what were we talking about before you hopped on this podcast? How to turn depreciating (laughs) assets into appreciating assets. So I'm constantly, all I'm thinking about is how do I do that for myself, prove it can be done, and then help other people do the same. Lower the downside, lower the risk in their personal life and their business expenses, and then maximize all the areas that they could be making money. Interesting. So you do a lot of different things to generate revenue, it seems like. Yeah, I put my hands in a lot of fires because how do I know what's hot unless I do that? Interesting. A lot of people, they silo themselves off to what they're comfortable with. Yeah, because I mean, the typical person maybe watching this might generate revenue in just one way or maybe two ways with their investments. I mean, and I don't even talk about that, but like stocks, stock and Apple, Bitcoin, 
we own a house that we're going to put on Airbnb and long-term rental. Like there's multiple ways we're about to start a mobile sauna business, rent that out to gyms and events. So like, there's a lot of things that I'm working on on the side that I don't even talk about because I guess to me, those are just what everyone should be doing. Right. I wanted to kind of enlighten and, and extrapolate kind of the abstract yeah. of what I do, which is, Again, I bought a drone for $1,500, paid for itself within two months. People needed drone videos. So what do people need and what do you love to do? I love to fly drones. So, and then what I'll do now is like, I don't even need the cash to fly the drone. I'll fly the drone. I just want to stay in your Airbnb or stay at your place, get more content and use that to flip it, to showcase to brands. The brands are more willing to pay me two, three, four, five grand than that person that's willing to pay me $500. Hmm. So I find like who needs this and is willing to pay for the same, who is willing to pay more for the same thing. So which fire has been the hottest that you've put your hand in metaphorically then? Always content. The reason I even got into content in in the first place was everybody needs it. No matter what you start off doing, you need blogs, audio, pictures, video. So I figured out if I got good at all these different areas, I'm always going to be needed. Hmm. Interesting. And then I learn about like you're into building apps. And then Noah's into his own lane of things. I meet people through the content that I produce that then pull me into these other silos. But the number one thing is just like, I've been able to partner with a lot of people because content stresses a lot of people out versus I thrive off of it. So it's just like happy marriage everywhere I go. And then it's also a happy marriage because I understand business too. How many people shooting content truly understand business as well? It's rare. So I kind of Again, going back to Naval, he says, like, pick two things that are kind of different from each other, but then figure out how to leverage them to make the most amount of money possible. Yeah, Naval talks about you go to a circus and you see an elephant. Okay, that's cool. Then you go to a circus, you see a person on a unicycle. Okay, that's cool. But then you go to a circus, you see an elephant on a unicycle. You're like, holy shit, like, nobody else is doing that. You went from the 85th percentile to the 99.9th percentile because you're merging two skills together. A great example is my wife and I just did a photo shoot in a lake during the rain. Like it was badass, right? How many people could be in the photo shoot and be the model, but also have taken that photo and then also have flown that drone at the same exact time. And then also have a podcast about that experience and then put it up on YouTube. (laughs) I like it. That's where I, and again, it all comes down to, it's never been about money. It's about like, I just love, this is so cool. Like the fact that we get to do this. I mean, that's the dream is to just be yourself and get paid for being yourself, productizing what you're already doing. I mean, that's not work. Sure. It looks like work to other people, but for you, it's play. It's fun. It's just who you are. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Stefan. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, 
tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Stefan Georgievich. We're all going to have to work. I just came to terms with you're on earth to put in some type of work. Sitting there complaining on your couch is still work. So people don't understand. (laughs) That's true. It's still work to breathe, to like wake up and have to deal with your own mind. That is work. Right. What has made it enjoyable? That is really the question that I've always kind of asked myself. What brings you joy? Yeah. So let's jump into some personal questions because I'm sure people want to know the nitty gritty. What scares you the most right now? Answer can't be nothing because the question asks most. Losing my health. I've worked so hard to get to the point that I'm at and being super transparent and honest. Like I love kids. Like I was babysitting when I was like 13 years old. Like I've just always thought I I love kids because I love the joy. Just like you said, I love how they look at every new little thing as just like, this is amazing. And it's just such high energy all the time. And I've always been attracted to that and wanting to nourish that and because of that, and that's why I'm obsessed with the education system because I just think we could be doing a better job. And what scares me is, is losing my health to the point that I can't make the impact that I truly want to make for hopefully I can have my own kids. Maybe my brother has kids or whoever's closest to me, my friends, and really make this world a better place because that's how you truly make the world a better place. Like there's a lot of people our age and above that get stuck in their own ways, but you really mold the world by helping create opportunities for those that are less fortunate and younger than us. Because again, they, they're just not at that capacity yet. So that scares me. That definitely is the thing that's on my mind at all times is how do I maintain my mental, physical, and spiritual health? So if I could dig into that a little bit, if you don't mind, yeah. what would that look like if that happened? Just curious. Let's go there for a second. What would it look like? Okay. So my aunt died of colon cancer at 40 years old and she left, I think a 12 year old and an eight year old, And I was 10. They were my two cousins. So what it looks like is getting to a point that I didn't appreciate the time that I did have to leave that impact so that if I did get sick, it was all kind of a bust. So like what I'm very conscious of, because I'm a big believer in like how you believe is like what's going to happen in this world. So I say that I'm scared, but... I don't want it to come off as if it happened that I would give up or be down. I love the word courage. I think that everyone has trials and tribulations and they have a choice in every single one of those to either be courageous or take the lesser path. And I will always choose the courageous path, but I would be lying to say that I'm not human and that I don't think about 
these scary things. I'm not scared of death. I'm not scared of a lot of things that I think a lot of other people are are scared of. I'm more scared that I would get sick based on something I could prevent. Mm. So now that we're it seems like you're it. concerned about unnecessary suffering more than anything else. Yeah. Because you can't prevent something that's going to happen anyway. Yeah, because what I look at is like, okay, my aunt, I just gave you that story, right? If she would have known what I would have known where I'm curing myself and preventing that, then I save the suffering of the children, of two other people. So how can I use my life to save other people from suffering? Yeah. And ultimately, I'm saving myself from suffering it too. With it's you, like, yeah. It starts with me. How, how are you not saving yourself right now? Is there anything that you're doing maybe that's detrimental to your health? I would say a year ago, I would have had a lot to talk about. Right now, I'm pretty good. Is there anywhere where you're not aligned fully? I would say I need to be outside more. I need to book more time to be outside. Now, granted, I am outside a lot more than most people, but I ultimately need to be outside like three to four hours a day, and I probably only average like one a day. Vitamin D, or are there other reasons for that? Mental. I was born to be a freaking monkey and just be outside and exploring. And again, but it comes down to the money thing. It's just like... I kind of have to do what I have to do. But ultimately, when I get to a point in my life, which I will get to, I'm going to be outside three, four, or five hours a day, without a doubt. I, I want to figure out how do I make a podcast studio outside? Like, how, like there, everything is going to be manipulated around what I know I need most. Wow. If you knew you were going to die tomorrow, is there anything that you would do differently? Or would you be on your deathbed saying, you know what, I lived my life to the fullest? I started Thrive on Life to answer that question. I mean, not knock on this chair that, that doesn't happen. So if you're watching this, we're good. <laughs> it would be inhumane to say you wish you could do more, right? Like you just wouldn't be human if you said, oh, like I wish I could have done more like with my time. There's things that I still want. Like there's things I still want to do. There's places I still want to see. There's people I still want to meet. I will think that way my entire life. So whether I make it to tomorrow or 150 years old, I'm still going to have that same response. But I think what it makes me think about is, could I smile? Like, say you do die and then you see yourself, you become this angel and you look down on your body. Could you smile at the life you have lived? And I would say yes. Let's say that there was something that you wish you could have done. What would the first thing be that would come to mind? not letting you off the hook yet. <laughs> in this moment, like just being super honest with where I'm at in my life is have a kid. Like just see, like it is so cool. Like people don't think about this, but like, how did we get here? Like you're in someone's stomach. After our mother's vaginas. Like, yeah, like <laughs> that is insane or cut out. Like I was like to think about that. I think if people just thought like that, this world would be a better place. If we really just all thought about, we all come from the same place. Like technically we come from the same place. No matter your skin color, no matter how you look, talk, we all come from the same place. Right. It's that simple, but we make it so much harder. So that to me, like that miracle is something that I, I really cherish. And it's one reason that we haven't been quick to like get married, buy the house, have kids, because we do cherish it. We want it to be special. We want it to be something that we're grateful for and appreciate and cultivate within our life. And that's something that I think, again, people take advantage of. It's like they just follow this structure 
that they think they have to follow. Now, it could be a completely opposite. If you're listening to this and you say you don't want kids, you don't want to get married, great. That means you made a decision, and I love you for that. There's too many people that aren't making decisions for themselves, and they are not only causing themselves suffering, they're causing other people suffering, and that's what they don't see. Hmm. I like that. So let's get into this other kind of deep question. What is What are your deepest insecurities, if you have any? Well, I'm sure we all have insecurities. And the deep ones are hard because you don't even notice that you have them. Yeah. So, What's the most deep one that you're aware of, I guess? Uh, being told what to do. I hate authority being told what to Me do. Too. And it really, it really showed itself when, so here's a great example. Like the only time Aaron and I would argue over the years is like when she gets on me for doing something a certain way. And I started thinking like, why do I get, like, I'm very laid back. Like, I mean, I'm passionate, but like generally, like it's very hard to like piss me off, like really piss me off. But what was like that, that thorn in the side was when she would just make an off the cuff comment about how I do something or the way I put my shoes in the wrong area of the house. And I'm just like, why the hell do I have this issue? Yeah. What's at the root of that? My dad, no matter what my grades were, no matter how well I did at sports, no matter like how good I was, the first thing coming home from the long work day, from his long work day, why is this shit everywhere? Why can't you do this? Why are you doing them? Why are you mowing the lawn the wrong way? It never was a focus on like what you have. It was always a focus on the lack, scarcity minded. It took me until I was an adult to realize this dude grew up in Northeast Philly. It was scarce. So for him to get out of that, and this is a different time frame that we live in than he lived in, like he didn't understand what that meant. He didn't understand that I was even interpreting that in a certain way. So again, when it comes back to like, molding minds like this is why I'm very conscious because like my parents gave me everything they were amazing but even though they gave me everything I still took wounds and scars from that wow which is crazy right so then I bring it into my house and then I start asking myself this is the this is like my angel the love of my life and I'm being aggressive towards her but if anyone else said something to me it wouldn't have triggered me but the reason it triggered me because it's in my house just like I thought that like when I was in my house, I could put my shoes under the kitchen table to eat dinner rather than get scolded for it. God forbid their shoes are underneath <laughs> the kitchen table, right? Kid has straight A's and he's the captain of his team. So I think to stem it all up, it's insecurity. I think most people in insecurities always stem from love, lack thereof. They view love in one way. The other person views love in another way. My dad probably views love in, I'm going to run a tight ship. This is going to help him for the rest of his life, which it did. And then I Tough viewed love, love. As, a, as a kid of like, why can't my dad just appreciate everything else that's good for me? Again, love my dad to death, like love both my parents. But that's just one sign that showed up later on in my life that if I didn't catch it, what's that going to do to my relationship with my significant other? And what's that going to do to the relationship with my kids? Now that I know this and I've thought through it, I'm like, I got to be careful when my kid comes home and throws a shit everywhere, I got to remind myself that was me and I have to approach it in a different way. You've done a lot of deep digging, I see. That's awesome. I, dude, my brain is nonstop. Okay, so <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep going with these questions. So I saw that you were in a New Balance commercial. 
I actually went through your feed and I like went, I just went through all the different posts you've made and you talked about running from something. You said you used to run from things. Like what were you running from? Don't quote me on this because I don't really remember the post, but because um, again, I post a lot so <laughs> these days. I think what I was talking about was running away from who I truly knew I wanted to be. And that's ultimately what I think a lot of people do is I was using drugs, alcohol, saying yes, being a yes man as an excuse to really run from who I knew I wanted to become. Because if I put myself out there for who I wanted to become and I failed, that hurts way more than to have an excuse of like, you know what? I failed that exam because I stayed up all night partying with my fraternity. Hmm. So I was in engineering. A great example is I'm in engineering and I can't, I couldn't compete with those those guys. Like when it comes to business and a lot of other things, like I could have smashed business school. I could have smashed finance, like those type of things. But like when it comes to like the top of the top of like engineering, you get what my drift doctors, like just next level type of thinking. There's people that are, that are better than me. Um, and the reason that they were is they spent as much time on that as I did on a lot of other areas, sports. I was really good at sports. And what I started to realize was, and as I got older was that I was really running from who I wanted to be and I was losing time. And that's what I think I meant when I was writing that post was as I got older and where I'm at now is like, I'm no longer running from who I'm meant to be. Like we're doing this podcast with my branding on this wall or not, because I'm not, I'm not running anymore. Like this is what I'm meant to do. I don't care if it takes me one year, 10 years, 20 years, my whole lifetime to become the success that I want it to be. I'm doing it. And I'd rather fail knowing that I tried it and went after it than to say, you know what? Like, I can record next week. Let's go to the bar. Or I can record next week. Let's say yes to this random thing and event and person where I'm justifying, oh, like I'm, I'm helping out this other person so I can put myself on the back burner. Because it's a cop out to say like, I failed at the thing I really wanted to do, but did I really fail or did I just not try? Mm -hmm. And that's really what I was running from. Did, did we really fail? I think about, you know, we suffer more in imagination than in reality. Like, how painful quote. is your pain actually? Like, oh, it's just so painful in my mind. But how about like physically? Like, is it really a seven or is it a two? <laughs> and that, that always leads me to the question, like, can people change without having pain? Like a lot of who I am today is because I've been through pain. I've seen people die. I've seen people lose people. I've literally shit blood. I like, knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's scary. I've never waking up in your mid twenties and shitting blood is not a fun thing. Like, is that, are you still shitting blood? No, I'm great. I'm like I'm in the best health I've ever been. In. I'd like to ask more about that. Cause I'm sure that's very scary to shit yeah. blood. Like, how did you fix that? Did you fix it or did it just stop? So the thing that most people do when they're a male is I did what every other male did. I just didn't say anything for a while and just drank more and just kept partying and kept going. I was like, Oh, this, I must've ate something wrong. Oh God. Right. Yeah. And you just keep going. And then literally I didn't change until Aaron was like, there's something wrong with you. I will not be with you unless you go, you go fix yourself. That's what happened in my life was my wife came into my life again. Cause we've known each other for a long time. 
and literally said, you have an issue. You need to fix it because I could hide it. I used to just So what it. was the issue? What was causing the shitting? Uh, so I have celiac disease, which I, I think I don't even have anymore because I'm like literally, I'm a believer. You can cure autoimmune diseases. I don't give a shit what any doctor says. Like I feel like I know as much as quote unquote doctors these days. That's an intolerance um, against- To wheat and gluten. But I think it stems from, it's a trigger from stress and cortisol and also your liver. So Have you tried wheat recently? Uh, I haven't been as, like I just went on vacation and like we ate at non-gluten-free places. Now I didn't get anything purposely with gluten in it, but they were cooked on non-gluten sensitive grills and things like that. And I was fine. So it used to be like, it would affect me a lot, but I started doing research and I linked a lot of things to liver and fatty liver disease and things like that that runs in my family. Essentially, this is what happened. Not to be too graphic, but like, okay. So throughout my whole life, I couldn't gain weight. I was going to doctors since I was five years old, three to five years old. They told me I had anxiety. Backtrack even further than that, I had a C-section. When you come out of your mom's vagina, you actually get good bacteria for your gut. I never got that. So that starts that train right from the get-go. Then the 90s was all no fat, fat is bad. So what did they replace fat with? Sugar. Low fat, high sugar things. Sugar is terrible for your gut microbiome. So then I'm eating Pop-Tarts, toasted strudels, all these things throughout my childhood. Oh my God, yeah. And I'm sick. And also I have energy and adrenaline problems. So I'm already an anxious, like adrenaline-induced kids. So the thing that helped, they put me in every sport. So they were always reacting rather than thinking like, why does he have so much energy in the first place? How can we solve this from the root? Now, again, the 90s, this wasn't a thing to think about. So stems there, goes all the way up. Then add in alcohol, stress of school, everything else that comes when you're getting out of high school and early 20s. And what ends up start happening is your gut lining starts breaking down. So your body has, this is a cool thing, your body has natural defense systems in it. So your body will start creating ulcers, hemorrhoids, other things to warn you that something is wrong. If you didn't have that, you'd ultimately like get cancer and then die without ever even knowing. And a lot of people do, like they just don't ever look into these things and then end up dying. So I'm grateful that I started bleeding because it was literally like, I had internal hemorrhoids is what, I got a colonoscopy and that's what was happening. So it was just that like was blood coming out. You had one, right? That was like even up to last year. So what was that change? So the change that really has cured me is like diving into my liver. So I was figuring out like, because I'm always on the go, because I would lack sleep, I never gave my body a chance to like detox and like slow down and like really heal itself. So think about it like this. If I took a knife to your arm right here and I cut you, your body's going to heal itself, correct? So why can't your organs heal themselves from the inside out? Think about it. If you had that cut and I kept going like this every single day, would it heal? No. No. So my organs, every single day, I'm fucking rubbing them. So the cut never heals. So all I started thinking about, okay, if I took each individual organ and then I think about how do I optimize each individual organ and let it heal itself over a certain time frame. Now, what heals most things? Sleep, deep sleep, fasting. Now, if you're a woman, be careful with fasting. That's a whole different story. But for men, we can go a significant amount of time and let our body heal itself. Your mitochondria start 
literally curing themselves, replenishing themselves. And then your gut bacteria, this is what happens. Once you go from low sugar, which I, high sugar to higher fat, your hormones get better, your adrenals balance out. And then your gut microbiome fixes itself because ultimately your gut microbiome is, there's always good and bad bacteria in it. Now it's either good bacteria is overwhelming the bad bacteria or bad bacteria is overwhelming the good bacteria. The way that you get more good bacteria in there and bad bacteria out of there is you have to starve the bad bacteria. So what are those bacteria feeding off of? Sugar. Lower the sugar, they start dying. Start adding in high fiber, high protein, high fat, stuff like seeds, things like that. Your good bacteria starts to replenish itself, starts overtaking the bad bacteria. No matter what you eat now, you can handle because your liver can handle it. So I started thinking about everything. I wanted to think of everything as just like, each individual component is like a component in a car. You can't fix the engine the way that you fix a flat tire. But a lot of doctors will try to fix the same thing with the same thing. Try to fix a different organ or a different problem and issue with just one type of medication. They don't think through like, what's your sleep? What are you eating? What is stressing you out? What are your adrenaline and cortisol levels? Like literally no doctor ever asked me like, what is a frame by frame, hour by hour day for you look like? Not a single one. So I, I want to kind of dig into this a little bit more. You mentioned a lot of things. That just seems very complicated just to me to think about. It's like, can you just list like the five, three to five things, one-liners for each one? Like, what did you optimize to really fix your health in that way? So if you think about the human body, like if we look at the human body, you take away computers, everything that we know, right? And you just think logically, what does the human need to operate? Water, food. What else? Belonging, I guess. <laughs> Sleep. Hydration, nutrients, community, sun and light. It's five things. So if you just focus on those five things and focus on understanding those five things more, for you individually, you're ultimately just going to get become healthier and healthier and healthier because you're going to start having data points. So how do I feel when I spend all day in the sun compared to how do I feel when I spend all day in unnatural light, no sunlight? Sleep. How do I feel with the temperature 80 degrees? versus 65. How do I feel when I sleep nine hours versus five hours? Hydration. How do I feel when I drink no water throughout the day versus moderate water versus a gallon of water? Nutrients. How do I feel when I eat Burger King compared to how do I feel when I eat a grass-fed burger? <laughs> how do I feel, the last thing, community? How do I feel when I'm alone for an entire month, don't talk to anybody? Versus when I grab a cup of coffee with one friend a day for an entire month. Yeah. What's going to be the difference in those? Like, that's a great study right there. If you just cross-tested that. And then what you do is you find what works for you. And really what works for everybody is how do you maximize and make it optimal, but also make it sustainable? Because if you're not going to make it sustainable, you're not going to do it. And if you don't do it, you're never going to have the benefit. So I want to go back to food for a second, because you seem to have a very keen awareness about like what is healthy for you. But like, let's say I'm just the average person and I'm eating a burger every day, just from the visceral sense, how do I know that's bad for me? Like, what are some telltale signs for you that make you feel like, oh, I should not be eating this? If it makes you bloated, that's an immediate sign that something's wrong. And it doesn't mean the food is bad for you. That's the other thing that I need to clear up is just like, no food is technically bad for you. Right. Like the one time you eat it, everything is just predicated on over 
a lump sum of time. Like you're not going to eat a burger and die. So it's tough to be like, that thing is so bad for you. It's going to kill you. Now the issue is like people don't understand their bodies enough because they think the bloating is just normal because we've accrued so much dirt in our body and so much grime that we don't even know what it feels like to be optimal. So therefore they can't, an average person cannot even feel the difference between a healthy burger and a terrible burger because their body's all fucked up. So bloating is one thing. What yes. Else? Bloating. Your poop. Like well, if it's supposed to be a certain color, certain size. Yeah. Just go online and literally Google like, what should it look like? That's, that's the easiest way. And if it's not what like should that, it look like for people who want, don't want to literally like a snake, like a snake, like just one long snake. Yes. That uh, means that your body is like Literally. Like a soft snake, like soft serve or like a hard snake or somewhere in between? In between. Or, okay. Because sometimes I have the soft serve and I'm like, maybe I had too much fiber today. <laughs> or too much fat. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have a right balance of like fat, fiber, protein to, to balance it all out. But again, it comes back to your microbiome. If I ate exactly what I ate today, I would have had stomach issues a year ago hmm. because other things would have been off. My body still wouldn't have been able to digest it. I wouldn't have been like- What else would have been off? The- the way that I think about it is if you pour vegetable oil into the gasoline of a car, it's never going to drive, even if it's the highest quality vegetable oil. Right. That's how you have to think. You have to change the car so that it can accept the vegetable oil and drive around with the vegetable oil. So I had to change, literally reprogram my body to start accepting it. And again, it's reprogramming to understand that your body needs sleep, it needs sunlight, it needs community, it needs nutrients, and then literally practicing that over and over again until you get in a good groove. And then the sad thing is in today's world, like all the foods that we eat lack the nutrients we need. So you're going to have to supplement. And that's why I'm so into go get your blood work done. So, you know, like I just got blood work, a blood test back today and I'm still deficient in like 10 things, even though I supplement across the board and I eat really well. So if I'm deficient <laughs> and I was deficient in D3 again, and I sub I'm always I, deficient in vitamin D3. Yeah. Like we live in Austin. I'm outside a lot. I've been supplementing for the past year. I'm still deficient, which means I have to take even more. What's your current baseline for vitamin D? I took special cell and micronutrient tests. So I don't know, like I'm like, it did raise a little bit, but I'm like two percentage points off of from being okay. Optimal, yeah. So I'm, I'm close. I think I have to be I'm above always, 50. I'm always below, but still very close. I'm so <laughs> close. And oh. next year I'm going to be above it. This is a question that just came to me, but why is everything so unhealthy? Like think about when you go to the hospital, why the, why do they give these patients orange juice and pop tarts and all this shit? Like why? Like why can't it just be, why can't it just be healthy? But like, what's your answer for that? It's is it because incentives don't align? It's money. Yeah. Anything in life is just incentive based. So is there any incentive to do farm to table to that patient? Now it costs more money to the hospital. How could so it be cheaper to be healthier? That's a great question because again, sleep is free. <laughs> Water, it's not free, but it's as close to something that you can get for cheaper than, than anything else. You can go into a local place and fill up your water bottle. Add a little sea salt to that. Food is, food is probably expensive. Food is the expense. Now understanding how to make your food maximize its potential if you go to fat, like, here's the problem. You go to fast food, people are still spending 10 bucks a meal when yeah. they go eat fast food. True. Right? So now we just get a $10 smoothie instead. It's just swaps. It's like, and here's the other thing. When it comes to health, people only look at price. They don't look at cost. I, I've said this on multiple podcasts and on YouTube videos, but like 
knowing the difference between price and cost is like the best thing that you could ever do for your life. The price of the organic food, a little bit higher. The cost, cheaper. Because over your lifetime, you're not going to get diabetes, you're not going to get cancer, you're not going to get Alzheimer's, which is going to ultimately cost your life less than if you just yeah. paid the little higher price up front. Yeah, I think about millennials our age, they'll wait in line for three hours to get like a free smoothie at like a freaking bar like or something. Because it's free, right? But it's like, what's the cost? You're spending three hours in line. And I, I just, I can't wrap my head around that. Or a free t-shirt, you know? That's a great question. So what is the one thing that you pay for that reduces your cost that everyone thinks is crazy? One of the things that I do is I pay for this thing called Clear at our airport. Yeah. And I literally go, th I get checked through <laughs> the line within five minutes every time that I go to the Austin airport. Yeah. So It's like the pre-check thing. It's better than pre-check because I go pre right. But it's only at big airports. It's not at like. Well, it's only at a few. Yeah. But I got it because it's at Austin. So like when I, when I'm coming home, it's like, there's so many variables that it's like, whatever, we have to spend an extra hour. But like when I want to go somewhere, I want to sleep in my bed as long as possible up to the point that I want to leave and then not have to chill in the Austin airport where yeah. I like. I live here, so I don't want to be chilling there. I'd rather be chilling at my house. So, but imagine that. That saves me on average 30 minutes to an hour every time I fly. Costs 150 a year. So if you fly 10 times a year, it comes down to paying 15 bucks to save an hour of your time. So I, I read this study about this guy. You should look him up too. He spent a quarter of a million dollars on optimizing every portion of his life. He did like a full metabolomics. He like did the whole genome sequencing. And then he told me this thing about time and how stress is really important to him. So whenever he would go to the airport, I kid you not, you can read this article. His name is Serge Faguet or something. He's from Silicon Valley. He would go and budge every single person in line and people would yell at him like, what the fuck are you doing? Blah, blah. But he wouldn't care because he doesn't want to wait and have that stress in line. So he would literally budge everyone and go all the way up to the front of the line. No shame no cap. And that's kind of like a mild version of what you do, but obviously you're not budging people. You're just trying to avoid the stress at the airport. That would cause me more stress. <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't give a shit. Like that, yeah, that stress he's, doesn't he's learned, with he like, like, yeah, he's like turned off something. And I, again, the other way I optimize is just like, I bring stuff with me. Yeah. So like people are like, man, it's just so hard to be healthy. It's like, no, it's harder to, in my mind, it's harder to hate yourself every single morning. Yeah. wondering how to be healthy. Yeah. Like it's way easier to just be like, how do I get better? Like go on Google. It is so much easier to just be solution oriented than it is to have all this shit in your head. You mentioned in one of your Instagram posts that your favorite thing to do is problem solving. So uh, I like that. It's easier. People think it's harder. What number one supplement has had a direct noticeable long-term impact on your well-being? Number one, if I have to go with number one, it's actually two. Glutamine and liver love from MSW. MSW's liver love, like literally, I think that's what cured my liver issues. But before that, I was already using glutamine. And like, so this is the thing. Glutamine helps build your glutathione process. And you can get this at MSW as well. It's, called, it's just called their gut product. But I was using it before I even like started working with them. Basically what glutamine does is it helps your gut lining. So if anybody has leaky gut and you asked about healthy food, it's not necessarily about what you eat, it's about what you absorb. 
So if you're not absorbing anything, it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter if it's quote unquote healthy or clean eating, you're just not absorbing it and your body's going to feel like shit. So what glutamine does is it helps your immune system and it helps build up that gut lining so that you absorb the nutrients that you're eating and therefore your body feels better and ultimately is just running smoother. It's like changing your oil all the time. And it's the reason that I really love this product is it's like, it doesn't taste like anything. So you can put it in your water, you can put it in a smoothie, you can put it in anything. So it's not, it's very sustainable. You can bring it anywhere. It's very simple. And then the other thing, if I'm going like pills, liver love, by MSW, I'm a big believer that everybody has liver issues with all the crap we're putting in our body. Mm-hmm. And this is this past year that I've figured that out. Before this year, glutamine, I've been using that for probably three years now. You get both these from MSW? You can, yeah. Do you get commission off of that? Off of what I just said? Yeah. Not unless you use the code okay. at the beginning of this podcast. Okay. Let's say that you, you can't say anything that gives you commission. What would it be? It would be those two. So they, they don't bring you commission, that is what you're saying, unless you use the, they use your code. Yeah, and this is why I love working with, with them. It's like, you can look up the ingredients to liver love. If you can find all those ingredients cheaper, go do it. I don't care. Okay. I just thought it was a shameless plug. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, I mean, I I was a customer of these products prior to even being associated. And okay. the other thing is, like, I don't have any other, like, I'm not a huge supplement. Everybody should be taking multivitamins, but I'm not, I can't push supplements because everyone needs to get blood work first. So you should be taking what is according to your blood work. I believe everyone should be taking glutamine because it helps your glutathione process, your immune system, and everyone should be taking some form of liver supplement. So that's why I said those two. It has nothing to do with cool. like, again, and they'd be, they would want you to just be looking into your health and supplementing across the board for yourself. It doesn't matter. Like you buy our product, anyone else's product, as long as you're supplementing and helping yourself, great. Right. World's becoming better. Cool. So this is kind of a different question. What do you need to learn to make more time for? What do I need to learn to make more time for? I don't think I have to learn because I already know. I need to write more. Yeah, I, I write a- You're a good writer. I appreciate it. You, you have good- Define good writing. Um, it's very so easy. It's easy to read. For example, the Almanac of Naval Ravikant. It's so good because it's so easy to read. It, 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 I just flowed to like the first like 30 pages and like I sucked at reading as a kid, but this is just, it's so digestible. And I feel like your stuff is digestible too, especially with all of the caps lock and like exclamation points. You really try to make a point. You really try to talk in the caption. So I, I really appreciate that. That's a great analysis because I'm more of a talker than I am a writer. Like I hated English class. I hate grammar. Aaron gets on me all the time for how many grammatical errors I have. It goes back to, and this is cool. I always like to link the podcast. Like goes back to like the fear, the, I will do things because I don't care what other people think. Beginner mindset. Yeah. Yeah, Like beginner mindset. And ultimately it's like, you're good at a lot, but really I'm not. That's why I just have this mindset. Um, It's the same with writing. Like I was like, I need to write more. So I was like, I'm going to write a daily newsletter. I don't care if one person reads it or a hundred people read it. Like ultimately it's going to help me. And then it's just like, have you been doing that every day? Yeah. I'm at like 280 in a row. I don't do it on the weekends. Okay. I made a rule for myself to like not stress myself out on the weekends to get it done. But every single weekday for the most, I've probably only skipped like three weekdays in an entire year. How many readers do you have on there now? 108. Nice. I get a 40 plus percent open rate. So about every single day, about 40 40%. or 50 people wow, are reading it. Of. So yeah, shout out to all of you. It's been awesome. Like, 
again, like it's one of those things I know I need to do more of. I want to write a book. Um, it's something that brings me joy and I need to make time more time to read as well. But this summer I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stop reading. I kind of operate in like seasons. So like the only books I've been picking up are Naval Ravikant. Like that's like my, almost like my Bible. So I'll pick up, read through that. And then I always have some type of health book on me. So I'm reading about the mitochondria right now, but that's like sporadic. So I need to make more time going into the winter. Like I've literally thought about booking an Airbnb just to read and write all weekend. Like when you ask me that question, that's what I think of. I don't even necessarily think every day I'm thinking like, I need to be more intentional with like setting aside 48 hours to go write a bunch and read a bunch and just like turn off yeah. everything else. Yeah. I typically, well, I've done it for the last five years. I do a meditation retreat, but it's 10 days and I can't read. I can't write. I can't talk. I can't yeah, even, I can't even look at anyone, <laughs> but like I have such vivid ideas that come to me that like, it's invigorating. It sounds long term. Like it's, it's so healthy for me. And I want to clarify, like, I'm not saying reading and writing to like, what is the word gaslight or like sound like I literally do it because it helps me mentally. Like whatever that is for you, whether virtue it's running, signals, yeah, virtue, yeah. like I don't even know the words, yeah. like, cause I don't, I don't just play stuff. these games, <laughs> just stuff, whatever pick for you. Like, I enjoy reading to the sunrise like and stuff like that and just like writing and things like that. Do things that you enjoy that you know you need to make more time for. And now again, like this year, I asked myself that same question prior to this year and that's why I did High Rocks. I wanted to put more time towards competing. Yeah. So that's what I did. So going into the next round, like I've been competing. I would love to do like a little retreat where I'm just like reading and writing and just having fun with it. Yeah. So you're still competing in high rocks then? Yeah. And you want to be competitive in high rocks? Correct. And you're 30 now. And a lot of people would argue, oh, like you're kind of past your prime. How do you feel about, how do you feel about that? See me at 40. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me like when we're recording again at 40, you can, yeah. you can be the judge. Put a timestamp. I don't it. care what people think. I know that I'm limitless in that. Yeah. Or do you feel like you're in your prime right now? I feel like I haven't even reached it. Yeah. Not even when, close. when do you think you'll reach your prime physically, would you say? Well, Tom Brady's given me a lot of hope. Yeah. What is he, 40 something, 42? <laughs> I don't even know, dude. Yeah. Um, He's intense. And he, he does a lot of the same protocols I do. Yeah. So I can't answer, I honestly can't answer that question because technology is getting so good and the access to these higher end, like hyperbaric chambers and things like that. I, I can't even foresee like the access I'm going to have in the next five years to things that are going to help prolong my prime, quote unquote. I want to buy another house. I'm going to put a sauna in it. I'm going to put an ice bath in it. I want to put red light therapy in it. Having a local hyperbaric chamber would be nice. So I really can't quantify like what my prime would be. Now I view like if I were to look at it, like my prime is being able to execute the way I am right now, but also handle the stress of kids managing people having multiple businesses like i'm not there yet so i'm i'm basically priming myself as an individual to be able to handle that when i get there i would view that as the prime because i mean once your kids graduate high school and they're on their own like it's just a different like you don't have that stress on you anymore so the prime would be how can you handle all that when it's all hitting you at one time let's talk about marriage a little bit so you want to have kids soon how soon i mean it's not a, it's not necessarily soon it's really just i like to prepare okay so if it happens tomorrow great if it doesn't happen for five years great 
if it never happens, still great. But in my mind, the ideal would be the next few years. I feel like I'm ready to invest my energy into that side of the universe. I've, I've had fun in business. I'm, I'm growing multiple things. And I think it would be cool to experience that part of life as I'm also in the mode of like growing some other things. Because I think a lot of people fall into the trap of like, when I'm done this, this is when I'm going to do X. And I try not to live like that. I try to be more like self-aware and say, what am I feeling right now? Mm-hmm. What energy do I want to give to the world? I, I think about the fact that you and Aaron are married and a lot of people our age, especially in our friend group, are not. Um, why do you think so many people are single in Austin? <laughs> Because I, I go back home, I'll, all of my friends are married, they have kids, all of these things. Ideas. I think a lot of people are married to their ideas right now and married to themselves, which is a great thing. Now, it can cause conflict because it can create Peter Pan syndrome. What is that again? Well, I just made that up. Okay. But I think of it like Peter Pan syndrome is just like, you want to stay forever young. And you, and by young, I don't mean age. I mean like you're always thinking of new ideas and new things to work on and new people to meet. And that is also lonely in itself. So There's fear I think, behind that. Yeah, it's a never ending game. So I think I don't like the word balance, but understanding your long-term game, what you want out of life has a great impact on like, whether you want to be married right now or whether you don't want to be. And that's where, for me, I never pictured myself married right now, to be honest. And the answer with Aaron would say the same thing. Kind of just happened, right time, right place. And I think that's the advice I give every other person is like, who's the person that you want to be to be in the right place to receive that person that ultimately stumbles into your lane? And ultimately that's what happened to me. And I think there's a lot of people in Austin that are trying to do that. They're trying to find themselves how can you find another person if you don't know yourself enough? Aaron and I found ourselves a lot earlier, I think, than other people did. And ultimately that stems from some pain, some trauma, some things that happened in our lives that inspired that little switch. And I think the switch for a lot of people is moving here and then they are here for a couple of years. And then ultimately they're like, okay, now I know what I like and what I like to do and what I don't like to do. And I just have a little feeling that you're going to see a lot more people getting in relationships, engaged, married in the next couple of years in Austin, ultimately because they just got here a year or two ago and they were finding themselves. And then now it's like, okay, I know who I am. I know what ideas I want to execute on the world. And then who fits that, that mold. Yeah. Yeah. It brings me joy to watch you and Aaron on social media. I mean, you guys seem very fulfilled in the relationship and that's, that's awesome. It's hard. Yeah. (laughs) Why? Um, It's work. It's just like anything else. Like I think a lot of people, they want the cake and they want to eat it too. And what I mean by that is not, you want to be in a relationship and then with other people at the same time, you want the spectacular feel good moments but then you don't want to have to come home on a long day and be like, this needs to get done or address this hard thing or be vulnerable as a male, especially as a male, realizing my traumas and like the things in my past and like opening up. I, I'm terrible at communicating. Like I'm a problem solver. So when it comes to 
feelings and emotions. Like I don't really have, like that switch is not on me. So I've had to learn like the hard thing in marriage is understanding it doesn't matter what I say. It's more about how I say it. And that's a huge struggle for a lot of people. So it's easy on the easy days. And that's what a lot of people see, but that's where on social media, we try to kind of shed some light on like, we put a lot of work into this. Like, even though like we feel like we were destined for each other and like we have something special, like it's still every single day is how was last week for you? How was last weekend for you? How was this moment for you? How did I show up in this moment? And really reflecting on ourselves and saying, how can I show up better next time? How can I be better for you next time? How can I be better for our future kids? It's going from the I to we is, is another thing for competitive females and males because she has a career and I have a career and it's constantly juggling whose turn is it to turn on the switch in their respective career. Hmm. You, you can't both have it all. So you have to find a new path. That's like kind of down the middle rather than left or right. And that's another struggle that a lot of people have. And if you notice, if I dissect this more, it's a lot of people, they get codependent because they go down the wrong, they go down the, like the negative tendencies of their past. So like my exes were big drinkers. So that kept me a drinker. And then ultimately I didn't really want to drink that much. I knew it was making me sick. Aaron doesn't drink. She'll have a glass or two, but like the fact that she wasn't drinker kept me from drinking, which ultimately made me healthier. And I was pulling me in a better path mm. and a be better direction. She's now stronger for, to, together than you yeah, are. And then for me, for her, I'm more outgoing. So like I bring her, I shed some light into like her doing more things, having more adventure. So we like balance each other out where I bring her more adventure. She brings me more stability because I'll literally, like I was getting sick just with all my ideas and going everywhere and doing everything. Yeah. And then with her, it's like, she's very collected and organized, but that can become also its own problem in itself. You mentioned some traumas from before, you know, when you talk about the relationship, is there anything that you could shed light on for all of the males out there who have some traumas similar to yours, maybe? Again, it stems from like how we think love is given and received and how we ex expect. If you can relinquish expectation, that's going to be the best thing if you're a male. So like, I think a lot of males operate in this. I'm going to bring you flowers because I expect what after I bring you the flowers? A lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> we can all under we can all like guess what that male thinks. Or I'm going to bring you chocolate. I'm going to bring you this because I expect something in return. How do you get to the point where I'm going to bring you flowers because I know it makes you happy, and feel happiness for you feeling happiness? Compersion, I think, is what they call it. That happens when we ultimately just wake up and say, "I'm at peace with how the world is, and everything that's going on around me, and what can I do to be life giving rather than life taking." Right. So for me, the traumas always stem from like, okay, why am I so competitive? It's one of the things I would ask myself. I thought I would get love if I won everything. So I just won everything. I just put the work in to win everything. You were number one. So I was number one. Like, literally, I was voted most competitive in high school, like in our yearbook. Maybe this comes back to your story about your dad. Yeah. I enough. wanted love. And then what ends up happening is you expect that love in return, you, you don't get it. So then it turns on this negative connotation to, to winning. And it's just like, what is, and this is how my life flipped. What is the point of this? What is the point of any of this? I want all these things. I did all these things. None of it mattered. 
So then you like swing all the way to the other side and you're just like, what is the point of the world? Like I did all these cool things and all this and like not like no one remembers it. No one cares. Then you kind of find the middle of just like, you're right. No one does care. And love shouldn't be expected. Love should be given regardless. And when you give love without expectation of receiving love in the end, you, you are a very happy person. Why do you think some of the people who have nothing like seem to just love on other people? It's a great question to ask. And that's something that I've asked myself. But like, again, the traumas that I had were always stemmed around. And this is the thing. You can't talk about love as a male. I try to break that, that issue that males have. I was writing love poems when I was a little kid. We all were like, as a, as little boys, you're always thinking about that girl or doing, <laughs> like, we can't talk about it though. Can't say anything about it. We can't talk to our dad about it. Can't talk to our mom about it. So what do we do? We learn nothing. We don't learn how to actually like communicate that or do something with it. So then we drink, then we womanize, do steroids. There's just so many different ways that it shows up in different males. We're hyper-competitive, argumentative. And at the end of the day, it just stems from we do care. We do want love. We do want to know how to, how to love. It just, there's no, no one talks about it. When did you know that you were in love with Aaron? What was that like? <laughs> oh, man, when I was 10. Um, wow. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. It's just when you're younger, it's more of an infatuation thing. And then when you get older, the way that you know you're in love, because it's like to love and to be in love, you're in love with somebody when the worst of them happens and you still can't get rid of them and vice versa. The worst of you happens and they don't want to get rid of you. That's the truth. Because we don't see, like you don't see the worst of me. She does. Every relationship, every marriage, you see the worst of someone. You see them sick. You see them angry. You see them depressed. You see them happy. You see the full spectrum. And anybody that's willing to stand by you in those, that spectrum, until you feel that, you don't get it. And the reason that I got it was because from 10 to 24, like when we knew each other before we were dating, I didn't have the pressure of being in a relationship with her. So she saw my full spec, a lot more of the spectrum than like most girls would. Cause she saw me dating other girls. She saw me angry and frustrated and these things. And she still somehow had an attraction to me and vice versa. And that's how you know it's the real deal. Now, the problem we have in today's day and age is everyone puts on a front. We all meet each other. People meet each other online and then they don't show each other their cards until it's too late. And then one little problem causes a breakup and then they get back together and then they break up again and they get back together. Because they haven't really realized that like to be in love is loving the worst parts of the person, not the great things. And to end, it's being for me, the attraction is really about being with somebody who knows the worst parts of themselves and is trying to make the worst parts a little bit less worse. Just like how like I think through every action I take. And I'm just like, how do I make this less worse for the future? So that we just get better and better and better. And then ultimately, I'm never going to cure everything, but I'm human, but I have bad days. But nobody sees me at the worst time. That was amazing. I, I appreciate that part about the relationships. I'm going to bookmark that and come back to it. <laughs> what time is it, by the way? Uh, 4.17. Okay, we're good. Yeah. 
I got like 15 minutes. Okay. Let me pull out my 3,000 questions about me book. <laughs> Hell yeah. This is awesome, man. Like, you should highly consider uh, leading your own podcast. I love asking questions, man. <laughs> oh, there's so many, too, in this that I could just go on forever. What does the American dream mean to you? This is timely. American dream to me is just autonomy, the ability to be autonomous, like make money in the way that I want to make money and spend my time in the way that I want to spend my time. Really, I'm just going to keep it that simple. It's There's so many ways you can go in life, and the fact that there are so many ways, we need to keep that. That is the American dream, that you're not forced down a certain path. As long as we keep that, I think I can stay in this country. The moment we can't, I'm bouncing. What is the best thing to happen to you this year? Bringing it back to health. And then second is I joined a men's group, which helped me get to that. So men we admire, my buddy Alex Weber started it, but we do monthly goals. And that has really helped me in my relationship, my personal reflections, and staying focused on my health. Third thing would be partnering with Baldo and, and Nurse Doza and just like really being around people like that. And then the fourth thing, shout out to Noah. He should have been at the top of the list because he was, he he came into my life. Hi, Noah, if you're there. January 2nd, 1st, he came to a Squatch event, New Year's Day event, and then moved here. And then we've been on a path to helping other people become healthier, wealthier, and wise. I can't name just one. There's Yeah. What is something that you've bought in the last month that is really like, wow. I want to answer that first. I bought a pressure cooker. Have you ever used one of those? Yes. My old roommate in Nashville had one. Frozen salmon and rice on the bottom. It cooks in like four minutes. Frozen to cooked in four minutes. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's also an air fryer and a yogurt maker. It's like an all-in-one ninja. It was 140, but that 10x'd my cooking ability. <laughs> you should look into a ninja air fryer. It, it has an engine. It has an air fryer in it too. Okay. Yeah. Dude, sweet potato fries. Oh my god, they're mushy but crispy at the same time. You got to figure it out how you're doing yours. Then ours are <laughs> ours are crispy. No, but a little mushy too. You don't want to be like over crispy. You know. Okay, I get you. Put everything but a bagel seasoning on it. Okay, from Trader Joe's. Yeah. Yeah. What? On, so what have you bought then in the last thirty days? Under a hundred bucks. Under a hundred. That makes it a little bit more tough. Or under uh, two hundred. To be honest, I bought a thing for my truck, for the window, to block the sun. Oh, like a sun blocker thingy. Yeah. That, to help with the heat here in Texas. I don't know why I went so long without one. It's been four <laughs> years. I think I used to have one and I lost it, but like this thing definitely helps. And then the second thing would be new running shoes. Definitely. I'm sure you go through those very quickly. These days, yeah. yeah. Probably only going to last me three months. <laughs> Yeah, because 10 miles a week at least. So that's at least 40 to 50 miles a month. So if I'm doing 150 to 300 miles, it'll be like three to five months. If you had to live abroad for only one year for work, where would you want to live? You can't say Austin. Actually, you can't say United States. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Okay. I have a dream of like waking up and being paid while I'm surfing. <laughs> have you surfed before? No. Yeah. Well, technically, yes. One time. But it's in New scary, Jersey, dude. so I don't really count it. It's scary, especially when those waves get really big. Like, they can suck you in. And that's why I need to do it. Yeah. It's, water, like, it's no joke, man. <laughs> it's powerful. 
are you good under pressure? Because you mentioned this thing I'm about- I'm terrible when there's no pressure. Okay. I wouldn't be able to function if there was no pressure to life. So here's a funny story. We had a pong room, beer pong room, in my one of my houses when I went to Rutgers. And we had the whole rooms set up with posters. And then I, I put duct tape that said clutch across the table. And if you were my partner, as long as you got us to last cup, we would win. Because as soon as it got to last cup, I'm hitting it. <laughs> so I would do this thing where I'd like turn around, like smack one of the posters and then touch the clutch tape and then sink it like every time. Okay. Not every time. I'm not going to be that facetious, <laughs> but, um, a lot, like it goes back to sports. I love that moment. Yeah. It's just, it fires me up. It's adrenaline. I'm an adrenaline junkie. You love winning. Yeah. For the sake of it. These days, I used to love it for the wrong reasons, but today it's like winning to me is coming up an idea that like didn't exist and then now it's out in the world. That's so cool. Yeah. Separates us from other animals. Who would you want to be the president of the United States? <laughs> Somebody, I, I don't know who, but anyone under the age of 50. <laughs> okay. That's it. Just be under the age of 50. Understand what it's like to live in 2021. I'm going to go one further. Who would I like to be in government? Farmers, teachers, people that just have everyday jobs, truck drivers, <laughs> like fast food burger flippers. You know how they do uh, forced jury duty? Yeah. We should do forced government duty. <laughs> that's a good one. I just thought of that. I think that's a good idea. Because <laughs> everyone complains about the government, including myself. Yeah. What if you were f forced to go work in the government for four years? Yeah. Speaking of the government, I just want to briefly touch on this, but you have to answer in like one or two sentences. What are your thoughts on the COVID-19 epidemic? Because I know you can go on forever about this. <laughs> My thoughts are that something like this was an inevitable and that we need to realize that it will happen again, no matter what your take is on this. And the reason it'll happen again is because we're not truly fighting a health right now. It's not a health crisis. It's much bigger than that. For a health crisis, we'd be banning fast food. We would be putting more restrictions on tobacco and alcohol. We would be forcing people to go outside, educating people to go outside. And by forcing them, quote unquote, it would be in the education system, mandatory physical education classes for over an hour, right? So it's like, I'm a big systems guy. This has shown me that something that I've already known, all three major systems, education, government, healthcare, do not work in 2021. They were built pre-internet. So it just, they don't work. So those are my comments on it. I try to cater towards a higher level of thinking. So like, I don't know like what it is or what it's gonna become or anything like that. But I do know for a fact, like I like to speak in facts, like. Those three systems are not optimal for the way that the world is in 2021. So we need to fix them. What is the belief you have that 99.9% .9 of people would disagree with you on? Probably that, and this just goes to show you how many people aren't really looking at this stuff. I believe you can change your genetics. And I think there's, like doctors don't believe that. So like the whole system goes against believing that you can change your genes. Yeah, because we're taught evolution takes 
millions of years. I believe in today's day and age in epigenetics. I think only point one, like that is such a small subset of people that even know what I just said. So that's where I'm just like, those other believers, I'm going to put the subset in the people that don't know what I'm talking about are non-believers. So I'm going to throw that in there because I don't know if there's anything that I'm that, that hardcore. I don't view myself as a radical person. I view myself as I want to gather as much data as possible by being my own guinea pig. Here's a great example. Shitting blood to like how my body feels now within a year or two just by making small tweaks. Dude, what are the capabilities of if I get access to these other higher level technologies? Insane. And then we start teaching kids. Like my kid is going to know about this. At, in, at five years old, he's going to know how nutrients impact his body, how sleep impacts his, his or her body, how humans impact their energy. I'm not going to allow them around people that complain. Are you kidding me? Or talk about other people. They're going to live a completely different lifestyle than I lived. My genetic code going into them, how is that going to change their offspring? Right. Imagine growing up in an environment that is abundant rather than scarce. Your entire life. It's almost like the scarcity, because, like you view it as a disease. That's what I'm going to train. Like that's a disease. You don't want that disease. That's a physical disease. You don't want it. <laughs> so then when they feel it, they're like, ugh. Because when we get a cold, we don't like it. Right? So it's just like, how do you teach them sugar? Ugh. I don't like the way that makes you feel. <laughs> yeah. Are you conservative, liberal, or somewhere in between or outside? I don't even know what any of that, what, what you just meant. To be 100% Political. honest, what is red, blue, or middle these days? Right. I almost think there's like a third dimension, like spiritual or like, there's just so many different directions. It's not 2D anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. Like who's running our country? The president or the internet? The technology companies probably. Like dude, the, the whole government runs on web services, Amazon. I think about how tech companies are so much stronger than the government. The government has weapons and machinery, but tech companies have information. Like they know that Joe Biden is going to send a message to this person. They know what's in that message. Google knows you're pregnant before you even do. Because you're Googling. Yeah. Like, how do I know <laughs> if I'm pregnant? Like sex without have condom. You, have you nights. seen that funny YouTube video about, dude, I have to show you that when we have all this, there's a funny video of people Googling like about pregnancy and it'd be like, it, dude, it is the hilarious. If you're listening to this, please watch this video. It'll be like, I had sex one time. Am I pregnant? <laughs> like, it'll like spell it wrong and just like all these fun. It's, it's such a funny video. So everyone go watch that, please. All right. What is one question you'd like me to ask you? What have you not seen me really talk about? You're asking me? Yeah. So like just based on yeah. my content and stuff like that, what do I kind of cater not to talk about? So we should talk about that. I feel like you talk about a lot of things. I was actually going through your YouTube um, feed and I saw that your chat with Aaron got a lot of views I think it was with Aaron I think people are really curious about marriage dynamics I think that's something that you could explore a lot further you might even want to consider creating a YouTube channel with you and Aaron and just going through stuff I think that would be really interesting because people want to know the meat like they want to know what actually happens like I watched couples therapy on Amazon Prime and it's such a good documentary because people get vulnerable as fuck on camera and you just hear everything going on in their personal marriage. Like, it's crazy. I would love to see that with you and Aaron. Do you think that would hinder our marriage? I, what I is would, too close yeah. to the heart? Um, I would, that's a question you'd have to ask her. But from all of the people in Austin, I feel like a lot of people are looking for like that love. 
that you and Aaron have. They really are. And they don't realize the work that it takes. So I would, I would love to learn more about that. Okay. So I guess the easiest way for me to talk about marriage dynamics is by looking, by telling a little bit more of our story of how like we honestly didn't want to get married. Like we, we didn't have great representations of what marriage is or what it should be uh, stemming from our childhood to our grandparents, to our parents. Like it just seemed like something that wasn't fun. We didn't really see, we didn't have any examples of people that 40 years in were in love with each other. And again, it's the nature of the beast. Like we were growing up in a different time now, not to say my parents or my grandparents or any of them weren't, it's how we viewed it. So like we might view it a different way and we don't get to see what's behind closed doors. You don't get to see the special moments. So it's when you ultimately take a step back and say, what do we want it to be rather than having the perception of like, it needs to be in a certain way or our marriage needs to be X, Y, Z, like John and Jane's. Why can't we be like them? Like, that's what a lot of people do. So the first thing I would say is like, don't ever compare yourself to Aaron and I, because what we have is something that we built and you can't build the life that I have. It's not, it's not going to ever be that way. It's not going to ever be that way. So you have to look at yourself and be like, what life do you want to build? And how do you build that same house with somebody that also wants the, the same house as you. And do you want a one bedroom or two bedroom? Be completely five different. Bedroom? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to be on Mars? You're like it's going to look completely different depending on the different people. And ultimately the best thing for us was we were able to have these conversations prior to getting married and saying like, what does marriage mean to us? It doesn't mean every day is great. It doesn't mean a nice wedding or the best honeymoon, or we're going to be super wealthy. Marriage was a commitment. It was saying like, ultimately I told her, I was just like, I'm committed to this forever. And that's so hard. That is so hard, especially yeah. for a male to do that has commitment issues to jobs, relationships, um, myself. But ultimately I knew that if I could commit to this one thing, it would bleed into other things. And by one thing, I meant it's not even committing to her. It's committing to my word to be for her. And that's what a lot of people confuse. It's just like, oh, I got to go home at 10 p.m. because my wife says so. Rather than flipping it, I got to go home at 10 to be there for my wife who is there for my kids who helps keep my life running the way that it should be running. Wow. See that flip? And that's what most people don't see in marriage. They think it's like, oh, it's just this other person that – we got married and we had a certificate, but really it's like committing to the word of this. I'm going to be there for that person above and beyond myself. And that was something that really took me a lot of time to like think through it. But that's how I ultimately knew that she was the one who did I want to do that for only her took 14 years. Like, yeah. And like, it took a lot of looking at and being around other women and people that I saw the bad sides of them. Cause even when you're in a, a relationship, you see the the worst sides of people and you really start thinking like, who do I want to commit this word to where I'm going to show up when I feel my worst and I am, I'm at my worst and 
licking my wounds doesn't take precedence over that other person. In a grand scheme of things, that's like kind of how I thought about marriage and how it has a skewed view because so many people nowadays just view the weddings, the, the bachelors, the flash, all the flash. But to ultimately sit down and reduce your ego and say like, this person deserves the best from me every single day, that's a big ass commitment. That is such a tough commitment to make. There are no days off. Like, that's the thing. There's days off from your job. There's even in entrepreneurship, the best entrepreneurs take days off. There's no days off from your significant other. Because even like, let's say, hey, I need, I need to go take a week and just like escape and like figure my brain out and go write or whatever. She's going to be on my mind. There's no escape. There's no escape in your own brain. So what person do you want in your brain the rest of your life? Is that a negative person or a positive person? God, so there's so much I want to learn about this. Right? Yeah. I needed neither because every person has both spectrums, negative and positive. If you were too much of a positive person, lacking empathy. So like I would, I would be attracted when I was younger to fun, to adrenaline, because I didn't want to feel the negative. But what you really want in life is somebody that has gone through the negative, that can feel the negative, that can understand the negative and turn it into a positive. And Erin lost her father. I watched that. Like I wasn't with her. Lost her father, continues to work towards her career, continues to be a good person, continues to strive for bigger and better things. Damn. I hope Erin hears this. That is somebody that I need to be around 24 seven. Cause if she could do that in the worst of times, Imagine what she can do in the best of times, right? And vice versa. I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I, I was attracted to that because I could see it. And you can only see it if you know it's within yourself as well. And that's another problem with marriage is most people, they, you know, the, the, the thing I hate most is other half. This is my other half. Like, no, her and I, if we divorced today, both of us would be completely fine. Would you agree or disagree? From a standpoint of like career-wise, social aspect, would we be okay? I think you would, but I think it would obviously be really hard. I'd be devastated. But But it it would work out. You'd be okay. Yeah, Yeah. because we're two whole people. She's my other half. She's not here to satiate my needs. She's here for me to commit to how do we go from being two whole people to creating something that you cannot create it again. It is unique. Irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. Like what we have, no one can have. And if every person went into their marriage like that, this world would be such a better place. What can you do with this other person that's going to be unimaginable to create again? And it's way simpler. It's not like we're in magazines and we're so lovey-dovey. It's literally as simple as when that person comes home at the end of the day, can you be like, how is your day? And actually fucking care. Now do that for 40 years. That is hard because I find myself every day fighting that because it's so easy to get distracted. It's 2021 so easy to distance yourself from each other. It's hard to really communicate with each other and say, and build something together. And that's why the divorce rate goes up because people don't need each other technically in today's day and age. Women can work, men can work, we can work from anywhere. But that's another reason I think that a lot of people in Austin aren't necessarily married yet. They don't want to give up that. They won't want to give up their dream for a we situation. There's a lot of dreamers here in Austin. There are. Versus like every decision I make is a two-person decision. 
And as a competitive person, that was very tough yeah. for me. And Aaron's competitive too. So it's, it's very tough for us going back and forth. And there's a lot of arguments and there's a lot of tears. But with that, there's always a lot of love. And that's the thing. It's always out of love. There's no thought in our minds of a part. No matter what we say in the house, stays in the house and stays in our room and stays there and says, we're going we're gonna to stay here until this thing gets solved. And then we're going to move on to the next thing. And too many people, because they're either a half of themselves or haven't learned not to be vindictive or lower their ego, it never gets solved. I see it. I see it in the people that do get married. I already know. I'm like 10 years down the road, I don't know where the, that couple's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Because I can see it in their, I can see it in their eyes. Eyes are a dead giveaway. If yeah. people can understand the way that somebody looks at someone, that's how you know. The reason why I'm so fascinated by this is because, um, full disclosure, I actually am in a relationship. Hell yeah! And don't kill me, Gabby, because <laughs> he assumed I was single. Um, this is so powerful, dude. Like, I really want to learn more about this. I'd love to do another podcast on just this topic because it's just so fascinating to me. What we can do is we should do a three-person podcast. Yeah. So we are already thinking about doing our own podcast. We, uh, it's been in the works. And we started those little YouTube videos. What um, do you mean three-person? Like, who did the third person? Aaron and I. Okay. And then you're the moderator. Ooh, I would love that, man. I would yeah. love that. Let's do it. <laughs> so this is why we have this. So... I got to wrap up because I got to hop on cool. an IGTV. I, I got to run too, yeah. But yeah, let's do that. Let's get that on the board. And the honest conversations we started because we, we, we had an inkling that people not wanted to hear us talk, but like I feel I'm always trying to provide free value and free education. And, and it's just a that huge weakness with. that people have. That people struggle with this a lot. Relationships are tough, man. It's the toughest but most fun thing. What is the point of life? Like literally, I like. We're survival what do these words on my whiteboard mean? Dude, does, <laughs> does this mean as much as like when I go home and like I just like get to spend time with her? It'll never feel the same. It'll never give me that feeling. And again, to each their own. Maybe the whiteboard does give you that feeling, and you don't want the relationship. But knowing that, you need to not be in a relationship then, and that's where people struggle. Is like they want to be on the whiteboard, but then they drag somebody else along, or vice versa. We're very committed in like both of us give. 180% during the day, but then we also give the same percentage to each other. And once that gets out of balance, she'll chew me out or I'll chew her out. And we're okay with being chewed out. Yeah. That's another thing that I think a lot of other people could learn from is just like, chew me out. Like I grew up getting chewed out by my coaches. Yeah. Well, you're from the Northeast. You're from New Jersey. So yeah, I'm going to reflect on it and be like, okay, I probably messed up here, here yeah. and there and blah, blah, blah. But dude, this was an amazing Podcast. Yeah, this is a very long one. <laughs> no, you're no, you're good. I'm not, I'm only looking at the time because I do have I have to jump no, but on. From your typical, I usually do 45. Minutes, what was your biggest right? takeaway? Biggest takeaway was be your unapologetic, authentic self, inside and outside. I feel like when we really got into the meat of things in the second half of this podcast, you really just started to shine, and I could really see who you really were, and. The only person that you're going to lie to is yourself. So you might as well tell the truth. Mic drop. The only person you're going to lie to is yourself. So you might as well tell the truth. And I certainly, thank you guys for tuning in. I've certainly have lied to myself a bunch of times in my life. And even going back to the relationship side, I used to tell myself I was in love with her for one reason versus another reason. 
And a lot of people I think do that because again, you're motivated by different things. Like the attraction to somebody is what job do they have? What do they look like? Who are their friends? Rather than really digging down into like, who am I? And focusing on that first, who am I? How do I become whole? Finding my truth. And then somebody else's truth aligns with that. Last point I want to make, um, a lot of people might play this victim mentality because their parents weren't together. So they didn't have good models. And so another reason why I think you and Aaron would be good to talk about this is because people need better models of like a good relationship. Yeah, I think that's a tough thing because like whether your parents are together or not together, parents can be together and not be together. Yeah. That's almost more toxic than not being together because then you grow up in a household that's spiteful. And I've seen that from friends. And if your parents are split and both parents are loving on you, it might be a better situation. So like anybody that's out there that might have that personality of like, well, my parents weren't together and I'm, I'm going to be divorced parent too, blah, blah, blah. Like that's bullshit. Like, like there's so many spectrums, right? The only thing you do know is ultimately I love the truth. We know what the truth is. We know, you know, deep down whether you're being a good significant other or not. Yes, you do. Really Everyone are. knows that. Are you being the best that you could be for that other person? Are you treating this person how you want to be treated? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's a lot of times I don't. Yeah. You take a step back, you're like, oh my God, like I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. The best relationships though, or is this like, again, like her and I both allow each other to do that. Like we're so impatient in today's day and age. We want everything now that we don't even let people make mistakes and then like go on a walk, figure out they made a mistake and come say sorry. We just chew them out again. So like one of the things that we're, we've been working on over the years is like allowing the other person to figure out they messed up. Yeah. And that takes you that, to that's have relinquishing that, that expectation. Yeah. It's uh, just like I said earlier, like if you can just release expectation and just like enjoy your life and like go at it one day at a time and just be together, you're going to ultimately have a healthier and happier life. And my biggest takeaway today was ultimately just to continue to lean into the uncomfortable because I'm not going to lie. Like I had no idea what you're going to ask me and that's semi-uncomfortable, even though I do this every single week, literally recorded yesterday. But one of the reasons I said yes to this was because I want to know what it's like to be in that, in your seat more into the guest seat. Yeah. And then you've that way over a hundred podcasts. You've never been asked by someone else besides Aaron. Uh, no, I've been on a couple of podcasts, yeah. but not but to this yours. extent. Yeah. yeah. Not like, not super in depth. Yeah. It's all like I feel like I really got to some parts. Yeah, there. which is like I'm gonna look back on it and ultimately sift through my notes and and figure out like how can some of these be more valuable yeah. to other people and then ultimately maybe having guest hosts on here every once in a while and figuring out how do we do that or or creating a spinoff. I would love to do like an IGTV series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like what we could do is we could do. I have another idea besides the one where we bring Aaron on is half the show I'm the host and then half the show you're the host or something like that. So it's just like, um, yeah, a bunch of ideas. If you literally listen to this whole hour and 57 minutes, I love you. Thank you. The best thing you can always do is rate and review and share. It means the whole world to me and give it up for Mr. Seth Ball here. Thank you. Thank you, CJ. You're the man. I love you. And until next time, y'all, this is CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life podcast. Thrive on. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. 
and we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.